We've been in this uh, message series. This season leading up to Christmas is called the Advent season. And uh, we've been working on this theme of, Oh, come, let us adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Let us worship Christ the King, the Lord who's been, who's, uh, whose birth we celebrate. And so we're going to be uh, continuing today in Matthew uh, chapter 1. And since we've almost, we've been going kind of out of order, we started talking about the shepherds. And last week we, uh, we had a guest here. We talked through the, the story of the Magi, the wise men, um, the three kings. However, the, the Bible calls the Magi, and so we don't really have a good explanation for what Magi are, how many there were, or or um, just really who they were, where they came from. But Eastern uh, noble visitors, and uh, who'd seen the star and came to worship Christ the Lord. And today we're going to uh, kind of get into a guy named Joseph. Uh, I want to start by asking a question. Uh, today, and I don't really need a show of hands, but I would love, in a sense, I would love to know how many of you are raised in or are raising a blended family. Some of you know that that uh, that was all about the experience of of a blended family. And as we're into this this week three, and we're talking about God with us, we're going to meet uh, the best blended family in the Bible. Uh, I don't know if you realize this, but the, the Christmas story is really centered around a blended family. Jesus, the Savior, son of Mary, was raised by a guy named Joseph, who was not his biological dad. Uh, by the time Joseph married Mary, she was already pregnant with Jesus, the son of God who had been conceived by the Holy Spirit. It's a blended family. Now, Joseph does not get a lot of attention, generally speaking. We talk a little bit about him at Christmas time, but, but he's just kind of the silent, stoic figure. He's, um, certainly in early Catholic artwork, he's always this sad looking old guy. I've got a painting here from the 16th century. They, they, uh, their, their rationale on that was, um, the, the guy overlooking the baby, that's supposed to be Joseph. And the rationale was, uh, well, if Mary remained a virgin, because it says they didn't have sexual relations until they were married and, and until the child was born. And uh, so they thought, well, the only way that could be is if he was a really old guy. And some of you really old guys know that that's not really realistic. So um, in later art, hey, just being honest. So in later artwork, um, he's younger because their rationale then was, well, he must have had a special dispensation from the Holy Spirit that allowed him to remain chaste until the birth of the child. Um, really, I, I don't think he was a sad old guy like that. Um, but that's what that's what they thought. So you've got this guy, Joseph. It's a kind of a, in a sense, almost obscure role, but it's so significant, right? He's the earthly dad to the Son of God. Just think about dads. Like, it's hard enough raising our kids when there are kids, but now you're raising God's kid. That's pressure. That is a lot of pressure. And it's generally accepted that, that Joseph, um, that he passed away somewhere in Jesus' uh, youth or young adult life, because the last we kind of see of, of Joseph is when Jesus is about 12 years old. But you've got this model blended family uh, regardless. And so we're going to go to Matthew chapter 1 verse 18. We're going to get this description of Joseph as a as a righteous man. If you have a Bible with you, I invite you to find that. If you use one of our red church Bibles, it's page 799. And uh, we're just going to read several verses there. Matthew is the first book 
in the New Testament. The New Testament starts with four Gospels that all tell about Jesus' life. Only two of those really uh, elaborate on the birth of Jesus. If you're able, I invite you to stand with me as I read Matthew chapter 1, starting at verse 18. It says this, This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged or betrothed, uh, engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her fiance, was a good man and did not want to break, or did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. Well, as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, verse 23, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And when Joseph woke, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. We thank the Lord for his word. Let's be seated together. Wow. I think you've got a feel for Joseph. You, you really do. Because here you've got this guy. He is doing everything right. He's made a plan and he's sticking to it. Right? He's, uh, you know, he's 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 good guy. He's found a nice girl. They're going to get married. Uh, you know, they're being obedient to God by by saving sexual intimacy for their marriage. They're They're on this proper courtship engagement. It was called betrothal, which is something like engagement, but stronger. It was kind of the equivalent of marriage. It was like a pre-marriage marriage. So they're on this proper timeline. They, They weren't living together. You know, Joseph did everything you'd expect a righteous guy to do. So if there's any single gals here today who are thinking that, you know, this, um, would be a nice year for the Lord to bring someone to you as a good boyfriend. This is the kind of guy you're looking for. And and guys, if you're thinking this would be a nice year to, to find a girlfriend, this is the kind of guy you need to be. Okay? This Joseph guy. So gals, he, he doesn't sleep over. He doesn't ask for sex. He doesn't last, let you ask for sex. He's developing a plan to provide for you. He's He's got a relationship with God. He is an ideal guy. He is really good. And yet, it's worth noting here that his life, his plans, his way of doing things, all the proper stuff is drastically interrupted. Drastically changed and shifted. And, and maybe you've been there that, not, not like this with maybe angel visits and, and certainly not with a virgin birth, but, but you've been there where things get interrupted for you. And in this case, it's such a huge interruption and yet, in spite of the drama, it's so ordinary in how it happens. And if you're taking notes this morning, you've got an outline in your program, you could jot things down. If you're taking notes, you could write this down, that God's extraordinary interruption was surprisingly ordinary. What do I mean by that? Well, this is the mystery and the power of Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus, the Son of God, comes as a baby. How that's pretty ordinary. I mean, what could be more understated than that? Some people, some of us, maybe you're one of them, are, are looking for wildly dramatic events 
to convince them that God is real or, or that God really created the world or, or that God loves them or that God really cares. But, but listen, all those things are answered in the most ordinary way that a child is born. That's the answer. Is God real? Well, a child is born. You think, I'm not sure I quite get the connection there. Does God care? Yes. He gave us the Savior, but the Savior came the exact same way the rest of us came. That's how God's identifying you with saying, look, I, I, I'm there with you. It's going to start in the same way. Crying, diapers, some sleepless nights, some call. Who knows? All those same things, right? What's extraordinary is that God made himself human. That's the part that's, I was going to say hard to grasp, but it's impossible for us to grasp that God could be human. I mean, how do we grasp this? We can believe, however, that God's great interruption into human history is ordinary through a child. It would be like this. Maybe to illustrate, let me try to explain it this way. Let's say you hear, you get word that a, a long, you know, unknown, distant relative of yours has uh, passed away and they've left you an inheritance, you know, $5 million. And you think, that's impossible. Yeah, that's an extraordinary event. So how are you going to confirm that? In the very ordinary way of logging into your online banking and you click and you say, sure enough, there it is. Extraordinary event, ordinary proof. God becomes flesh, extraordinary event. Baby is born, ordinary proof. God's extraordinary interruption was surprisingly ordinary. And maybe this year in particular was one where it's been hard for you to really believe. Hard for you to really trust God and all the things that have happened or that haven't happened. And maybe your faith's wavered because it's just, it's just been kind of outrageous. Maybe, maybe you're just struggling on that. And yet, all you're asked to accept today is that a baby the one prophesied about, the one promised that a baby was born. And it just so happens that the baby was born to a virgin and the baby is Emmanuel, God with us. Wow. Now, speaking of this pregnant virgin, right? Extraordinary. Joseph has a Mary dilemma. Should he marry Mary or not? He almost made the wrong decision because verse 19 says that Joseph was a good man, did not want to disgrace her publicly, publicly, so he decided to break the engagement or literally to divorce her quietly is how it's written. So here you've got good and righteous Joseph who out of concern, let's be honest, out of concern for his own reputation, but probably out of hers as well, has in mind to discreetly divorce her Break off the betrothal, and uh, which is it's a kind of a big deal. But he's a righteous guy, and he's not willing to shame her. So he wants to be discreet about it. But he just can't see himself going through this with with with, with this marriage because she's already pregnant. He's got this dilemma on his hands, and there's this common actually relationship dynamic going on here. 
that, that most engaged or married couples have had to deal with at various times, that with, when confronted with a crisis, we either charge right into it and take it on and we're going to deal with this, or we retreat and we kind of back away and we hide and we avoid it and so on. Sometimes we offer a, a program here called the Marriage Course. And in the Marriage Course, they talk about the hedgehog and the rhino. And the hedgehog, in face of conflict, hides away and retreats and wants to avoid everything. And the rhino says, let's get this going. Let's just charge us right into it. Let's solve this right now. Come on. Let's just work this out. And uh, and usually, very often in a couple, we have a hedgehog and a rhino. Sometimes the roles change back and forth, but usually one charges into conflict and one retreats from it. Joseph is a classic hedgehog. He's retreating from the conflict. I'm just going to divorce her quietly. We're just going to move on with my life. Pretend none of this ever happened. Keep my broken heart. You know, last Christmas I gave you my heart. You know, that kind of thing, right? <laughs> Thankfully, this angel intervened. Remember, he's just trying to minimize the hurt and the, and the fallout and the damage. But the, but the angel intervened. And it's a good reminder that even good people need help to do right. Even good people need help to do right. This is the second item on your outline if you're following along. Because I think for, for most of us, I mean, if you're typical, you think, I'm a fairly good person. I mean, I'm not really bad and uh, yet we all, we know this, we still sin, we still do things that are wrong, we, we lose our temper, we make bad decisions, or we spend too much money, or we struggle with alcohol, or pornography, or laziness, or perfectionism. You've got these things in our life that are going on, and, and we're just like sometimes conflicted about those things. I want you to know you're not alone. You're not the only one who struggles with whatever it is you struggle. Even good people need help to do the right thing. We've got some friends that have, have gone through and are currently kind of um, taking advantage of a great program over the, offered over at the well called Regeneration. It's a, it's a, it's a year-long program where you get to be involved in, in the lives of other people and week by week you're getting help to do the right thing in your life. It's really remarkable. We need, sometimes good people need help to do the right thing. That's why a connection group is so essential, I think. For your, for your Christian walk. It's why it's good to get into a, say an R&R group or a, a Bible study that's open and honest. It's not enough to just sit here and learn about the Bible or learn doctrine or things about Jesus. It's putting it in a practice that matters. That Jesus said, look, it's one thing to hear, but I want you to hear and obey what I'm telling you. And that's sometimes hard to do. And I would say if you're at a place in your life right now, you're just struggling to do the right thing, to make the right decisions, to to follow God. Welcome to the club. Join the rest of us. We're all on that track. But but reach out, get some support. Find a group, get with some good people, talk to a to a trusted friend or to a pastor or you know I would say most importantly invite God to speak to you and to guide you and to 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 even correct you when you're on the wrong path. Who knows? God may even Speaks to you in a dream, like he did to Joseph through an angel in a dream. Which, which is also something very cool about this episode. That we see God speaking in a variety of ways to Joseph. I want to unpack this a little bit, but I would say this. Look for God to speak in a variety of ways. See, Joseph really did have to make this decision. Stay with Mary or not. But there's some ways he came to that decision, aren't there? 
I mean, consider this. There's circumstances, okay? So when you're, he's got the circumstance, okay, I'm already betrothed, but she's already pregnant. What do I do in these circumstances? What's going on around you is part of God leading you and God directing you. There's patterns. He's devoted to God. We know he's a righteous guy. His faith is strong. He's familiar with faith. And so he's got this ability to have a routine with God. That's his pattern. That helps God speak to him and helps him get direction in his life. Then there's special intervention. Verse 20 tells us that as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. There's a special intervention from God. And that can happen in a variety of ways in your life. And then there's scripture. It's confirmed in scripture. Verse 22, it's a, it's reciting from the prophet Isaiah that, that this is from God. It's confirmed. And when you're facing a decision, big decision in your life or even small decisions, I would say let God speak to you in a variety of ways. For example, let's say you're considering a new job, a change of occupation, right? What's happening in your current circumstances to suggest changing or staying? How is God speaking in the circumstance that you're currently in? Is there any reason to say no? Is there any reason to say yes? Sometimes people say, God, why me? Why is this happening? But are some of my own decisions leading to some crises in my life? So you've got circumstances and there's patterns, right? In your routine of, uh, of your, you know, your spiritual life, your, uh, spiritual disciplines. You know, how have you heard from God in the past? Well, go back to that. Journaling, praying, uh, uh, listening to podcasts or sermons or di- different ways. Or, or, you know, are you likely, you know, think about how are you likely to sense God's peace when you're facing a decision based on the patterns of your life of how you've interacted with God before. So there's circumstances, there's patterns, and there's special intervention. Would you take a dream seriously, seriously enough to marry or not marry somebody? It's pretty, pretty profound, isn't it? Like how seriously would you think, whoa, that was a crazy Joseph, like, whoa, <laughs> Mary, you know, I'm going to divorce you, but you would not believe what happened last night. I had this dream that said you're like pregnant by the Holy Spirit <laughs> and I'm still supposed to marry you. That's crazy, isn't it? Oh. So, adios. I mean, that could have been Joseph, right? He actually paid attention to the dream enough to make a life decision. Huge. Maybe it's a sermon. Maybe it's a phone call. Um, maybe it's just something out of, you know, out of the blue, someone reaches out to you. That's God's direction in your life. Um, you know, I, I've shared the story with you before that Becky and I, uh, we're doing some church planting uh, years ago. And the way we got into that is in a period of about a month, I had three different people totally unrelated to each other, didn't total strangers to each other, totally different settings, all say the exact same thing to me. Hey, have you ever considered church planting? People didn't, one of them knew me, but two were pretty much strangers to me. But as we had just kind of met a little bit, it was like God was speaking through a special intervention. So allow God to speak in a variety of ways, whether it's circumstances, your patterns in special intervention or scripture, scripture. And that's where this is, where it's consistent. Some of us are trying to make a big decision, but ultimately you need to go back and say, is it confirmed in scripture? Is this confirmed in scripture? 
And that might to do with relationships or how you spend money or uh, places you travel. Is it consistent with Scripture? Good ways to make decisions. And then as God speaks, let's be like Joseph. What did he do? He got up and he obeyed. He continued in his righteous behavior. He had a good attitude. He didn't sort of be begrudging about it and say, oh, fine, I'll just, I'll marry her. I don't want to, God, but I'm going to do the right thing. It wasn't like that. He was a good man, made the right decision. And so whether it's considering a marriage proposal like Joseph or buying a car or changing jobs or making an investment or moving out of state or whatever you're doing, listen for God to speak in a variety of ways. Pay attention to that, but only if you're willing to obey what he would say. And then I want to leave kind of one, one big challenge, leave with one big challenge from Joseph. And that's this, to accept Jesus at face value. Accept Jesus at face value. Well, what do I mean by that? You know how you have that friend, that one friend who's it's really skeptical. And they just can't seem to cross the line of faith. They just can't seem to get themselves over that over that hump, over that decision. Because they're just saying, look, I've just got a lot of unanswered questions. And they're being honest about it. They're saying, I, I want to believe. I just can't, I just can't resolve this issue of, you know, how did God create everything? Or how did, how did God become flesh? Or how did a virgin have a baby? Or, or why is there so much evil in the world? Or, you know, why are, why has there been kind of bad history in the church in the past? Whatever it is, like there's, legitimate, genuine concerns that seem to hold them back from crossing over that line. Maybe you're one of those people today. You just think, I'd like to believe there are just too many obstacles for me to, to cross over that line of faith. And I would say this, everyone has unanswered questions. If you are, if you are a Christian with no unanswered questions, you're not being honest. There are unanswered questions that we live with, things that we cannot fully understand the mind of God until we meet Him face to face. If we knew everything that God knows, guess what? We wouldn't need God, would we? And so we all have some of those unanswered questions. Joseph had unanswered questions. I mean, just think about these things that that he was told, right? Okay, you're told that Mary is pregnant by the Holy Spirit, but she's still a virgin. That's, that's hard to believe. The child already has a name. He said, the child that she has is you're going to name him Jesus. Well, that's a little hard to believe. Like, hey, God, I would like to name my own kids. Thank you very much. And he's told the child is going to be the savior of the world. Yeah, we're in a little town right now of Bethlehem. Probably not likely. Right? And you're told the child is God's son, sent by God. Promised in Scripture. I mean, those are audacious claims that he has to choose whether or not he's going to accept these, whether or not he's going to believe these. He does. But how do you answer those things? Well, how is she still a virgin? I don't know. She was conceived by He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. That's all I can tell you. And then throughout the, the birth event stories, if you read in Luke and other parts of Matthew, we have others who meet Jesus and they have to decide what to believe. 
We've got the shepherds. We've already talked about them a couple of weeks ago. They've got to believe an angel and they've got to trust that Jesus really is the Savior. You've got the wise men who come and, and they've, they've got to kind of believe that this is really happening. And you've got, you know, Mary. She's got to believe that this is really what the angel said it was. Even, even wicked King Herod. This is an amazing thing. The, if you unpack the rest of the story, Herod is a, is a, he's a, well, he's a psycho, basically. He's, he's bloodthirsty. If you go to Israel today, he, Herod's imprints are all over that nation. The things that he built were astounding and the skill with which he built. But he was paranoid and tried to have, you know, he just killed a lot of people. He was, found a certain satisfaction in that. And when he heard that this king was born, he sent death squads to kill all the children under two years of age in that area. How do you answer that? How, how do you answer that, 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 that my two-year-old gets killed because... The Son of God was born two streets over. There's no answer to that. There's no making sense of that, right? But Herod believed Scripture. The madman actually believed what God had foretold. So we all have a choice whether or not we believe. We just have a choice of what we do with that belief. Herod actually believed the Messiah was born. He just wanted him dead. Oh, there's others. Anna and Simeon, for example, they were in the temple when Jesus came to be dedicated. And we'll talk about them in a few weeks. They had to choose whether or not to believe. All of them had to accept the impossible, unlikely, outrageous claim that the baby is the Savior. The creator of the universe in flesh. And they accepted that at face value. If I pull a $20 bill out of my pocket right now, I don't have my wallet on me. If I pulled out a $20 bill... And, and I, and I offered it, Jay's sitting here in the front row and said, Jay, here's a $20 bill. He would likely accept that. But he wouldn't say, it's probably only worth five bucks. It's probably only worth a dollar. No, it's a $20 bill. It says running at face value, you can accept this $20 bill is worth $20. Well, Brian gave it to me, it might be worth 25. Nope. <laughs> no, $20, that's it. Accepting it at face value. Well, how did you get the $20? Where did it come from? How long have you had it? Do you really know? Wait, you could start asking all kinds of questions. Just accept it at face value. The same thing with Jesus. Joseph accepted the claim and the responsibility that came with the claim without knowing what would happen. He becomes dad of the best blended family there ever was. He didn't know that these mysterious eastern visitors the magi would would visit and bring expensive gifts he didn't know that they'd have to flee to another country to save jesus life to get away from herod he didn't know that that getting back to his home in nazareth would take not weeks or months but years he didn't know that jesus at 12 years of age would dazzle the the teachers of religious law in the temple He didn't know any of that stuff. And Joseph didn't need to have all his questions answered in order to do the right thing up front. He didn't need to have his future all figured out to put his faith in Jesus. And some of us need to get over that hurdle. Look, I know you you can't get all the answers, but that's the step. Can you put your faith in Jesus without knowing all the outcomes? He accepted Jesus for who the angel said he is. How about you? Have you accepted Jesus to be who God says he is? Emmanuel, God with us. If it's true, it affects everything. 
If it's true, it affects everything. If Jesus is who Scripture tells us He is, then we ought to pay attention to His message. We ought to seek God first. Invest our lives in the kingdom of God. We ought to worship wholeheartedly. We ought to resist gossip. We ought to be more generous. We ought to love our neighbor. We ought to love our enemies. We ought to make disciples of all nations, teaching them, baptizing them. Baptizing all who would choose to follow Jesus. We ought to forgive. We ought to abandon anger. We ought to abandon selfishness and and choose to draw near to God. If it's true. Faith in Jesus, let's be honest. Faith in Jesus is going to leave some lingering questions. Things you cannot answer. You're not going to get everything figured out. And that's part of the journey. That's part of the discovery of the joy of walking with God. Saying, in spite of not knowing everything, I have peace. In spite of not knowing all that's to come, I have hope. In spite of having some uncertainty in my life right now, I have assurance. That's what it means to have faith. To to say, Jesus, I believe who you are, who you claimed to be. I believe you are who you claim to be. And see where that adventure takes you. It's about accepting Jesus at face value. I'm going to invite the worship team up. We're going to close with one familiar Christmas song. It's a, it's a, it's a question song. The title is a question. And maybe you've never really thought about the lyrics of a song like this today, but I would like you to today. The writer asks, what child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap? It's like, what, what child is this? And the answer is, this is Christ the King, the Messiah, whom shepherds guard and angels sing. And then the writer asks in the next verse, he says, I hope you're singing all three verses. We're going to now. <laughs> and then he asks, so why is he lying in this manger in such mean estate, is how he puts it. He answers that it's because of the harshness of what's to come. The brutality of the cross that's to come. The nails and the spear and the cross that he's going to face. That's why he's starting out in a manger. Then the writer of the song leads us into worship, recognizing who the child is. So then bring your gifts, bring your worship, but recognize that it starts starts with a baby. The extraordinary interruption of God into human history in the ordinary presence of a newborn child. Look, we, we're in this together. Every, every one of us needs help to do the right thing, to walk faithfully with God. None of us has it figured out. Not one. We need God to speak and we look for that to happen in a whole variety of ways. But it's about letting God interrupt our lives in sometimes in the most ordinary way. And then finally that decision that we make. Jesus, I'm going to accept you as you say you are. I'm going to put my faith in you without all my questions answered. Let's pause to pray. God, I just thank you right now for the work you're doing in our hearts. And Lord, we have tons of questions and we love to sometimes even be a little bit skeptical or or even cynical. And God, I'm just asking you to deliver us from that and just say, God, regardless of not knowing everything, we're going to trust you.
and trust that you're going to reveal exactly what we need to know. That you're going to speak to us in a variety of ways. That the decisions we make are going to be directed and guided by you because we're, we're looking to your leadership in our life. God, I thank you that you are with us. Thank you that you are here in the flesh and today you've given us your Holy Spirit with us. We give you our praise in Jesus' name. Amen.